first private money check that me and Liz ever put together was 50K, right? It was not millions of dollars, but you don't have to raise millions to raise private money. It was 50K from somebody she went to college with. That's it. And then it was 75K, the next check. Then it was 300K. Then it was 500K. Then it was a million. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Asria Show. This is Marcus Maloney, your host, and we have our executive director, Mike Delpreet, our co-host. How are you doing, Mike? Wonderful. Thanks for having me, Marcus. All right. So today we have a very special episode. If you guys know anything about Bigger Pockets, you know this guy very, very well. He's always at BPCon. He's always sharing in the forums and on the podcast. Talking about raising private capital and talking about syndication. And we he is Matt Faircloth, and he doesn't have his wife Liz with him, but uh, we'll definitely have her on the show as well. But Matt is a syndicator, raises private capital, owns hundreds of doors in the Carolinas and across the country. And he works with people to show them exactly how to raise private capital within their own Group. So Matt, man, welcome to the show. How are you? Marcus, Marcus, great to see you, man. Uh, thank you for thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. man. So for those who've been under a rock, man, don't know who you and your wife are, man, kind of give us a little bit of background about uh, you. We're just real estate people trying to make it happen, man. Um, I, my wife and I got started investing in real estate 17 years ago um, when I quit my job and right when we got married. And uh, we've been full-time investors since. Uh, we've done a lot of different asset classes of real estate. We've done fix and flips. We've done a lot of small rentals, um, done a few wholesales, but we also just built a business around residential real estate. Um, and so we've been residential real estate owners and holders. And for some of that managers, um, for many, many years, scaled up and up and up and traded up and sold up and whatnot into uh, 1031 exchanges and everything else, uh, to increase our holdings and had tons of investors join us as we grew to the point where we now control a few thousand units of multifamily in, in four states. Okay. So four well, states. Um, what all states, Matt? Uh, North Carolina, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, and we are recovering New Jersey landlords. Recovering <laughs> New Jersey landlords. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. let's unpack those 17 years you just jammed in 17 yeah. seconds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Wow. So, all right. So you, 17 years ago, you started, uh, were you working nine to five? Were you yep. already past that? So how did you make that transition from working? Maybe your wife was working too, family. I'm uh -huh. assuming. So how'd that go? Yeah, I'll talk you through it. So we met in 02 and she put Rich Dad Poor Dad in my hand um, cool. while we were dating. And I'm like, okay, this is a great book. So like, and, and anybody, out, anybody out there dating someone that puts the Rich Dad Poor Dad in their hand, like, you know, marry him. That's <laughs> a keeper. Yep. Yeah. That's a keeper. Right. <laughs> so, so I started playing his Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow game and, 
when I never really just got my head turned towards possibility. And at the time I was working for Ingersoll Rand. I was one of their traveling sales reps and, you know, drove all around the state of Pennsylvania, state of New Jersey, put about 45,000 miles a year on my car and just driving to and from sales appointments and everything like that. And, um, thought I was living what I, what a, what a good life was. And I did, I made, I made good money. I wasn't sure what was next for me, but I knew it was good enough at the time. But I'd also had a big sales commission check come in from selling a large amount of equipment to a company to Minute Maid Orange Juice, or all heard of them, right? So I didn't know what to do with it. And it was sitting in my savings account. And I'm like, I don't know, what should I do with this? So I let it sit and I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and my lease was ending at the, at the apartment I was renting. And that landlord was like, well, you could buy this house if you want. And so I decided to make a play to buy the house. Um, and we missed, I, I lowballed it. Somebody else came and bought it, decided they want to landlord it. So the realtor took me under their wing and said, Hey man, let me help you find another house. So they took me and my two roommates. We're all out without a place to live now. We're all like, oh, where are we going to go? We got to move in like three months. <laughs> so he put me into a three bedroom, two bath in the next town over. And I bought it with, took that minute made commission check, bought that house. And those two roommates started paying me the same amount of rent they were paying at the other property, right? Started paying me the rent there. Their rent covered my mortgage plus 60 bucks. And so I was like making a good check working for Ingersoll Rand, but I was living the rent free. And I said, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, this girlfriend of mine, she's on to something. Right. And so I, her and I talked about how amazing it was. And that was where we both drank the Kool-Aid and fast forward to when we got married, she was able to get herself a job that was, that was above our expenses, you know, and we lived lean. So lived lean and we were able to live off of her paycheck, no kids. That enabled me to quit my job and start our company, the Derosa Group. So um, you're always yeah. fast. You're from the East Coast, so you're always fast forwarding. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got to learn to stop talking every here again. <laughs> so, um, so you you house hacked before yeah. it was house hack. Before it was even called that, it was <laughs> yeah, just called exactly. having your roommates live with you. <laughs> it's just called having roommates back then. <laughs> love it, love it. Awesome, man. All right, so I just had to get that in, man. No, 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 no. It's good. It's good. I, I say that. I know Craig Crew a lot personally, the guy that wrote the House Hack book, and I'm like, yeah, but I did that when that was just called getting by, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't a strategy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did What did you do after that, Matt? You know, you 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 started that because now things are starting to turn. Wheels are starting to turn in your yeah. head. You're like, wow, this is working. Well, not even just before, beyond that. Marcus, I'm like, I got to build a company now, right? I got to get going. I have to, I have to do this full time. So what do I do? We moved to New Jersey because the employer she was working with, she was also in a sales job. That employer required her to live in New Jersey to be close to their clients, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so she, we moved to Jersey, and we were just like the next town over, two towns over was Trenton. So I'm like, all right, let's check this playground out. So I work my way into Trenton, start networking there, start finding deals. And before you know it, we had a few rentals in Trenton and I got connected there, joined a B&I group, you know, Business Networking International is a great way to meet people. And before you know it, we had built up a small little portfolio of rentals in Trenton, New Jersey. And that that's how we got our teeth cut into the business. And we, you know, scaled over the years, got through the downturn there, did a bunch of fix and flips around and scaled geographically, which I think a lot of investors should pick a market, 
and own that market for a while and then scale out. And Trenton for the longest time was my playground and my classroom too. Okay. Because yeah. I know a lot of people, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to play on the East Coast because they say, hey, you know what, the taxes, the laws, everything like that. Did you run into any problems where you say, you know what, I just got to get out of New Jersey and got to go elsewhere? You know what? Well, eventually, yes, Marcus. But you know what? When I had outgrown it, when Trenton had taught me what it was going to teach me and when I had out, when, I, when my capacity and my wherewithal had outgrown the market, yes. Uh, and I found other markets to be easy to landlord in. But guess what? There are landlords that make plenty of money landlording in markets that nobody else wants to touch every day. There are people that make lots of money in name the name the city that nobody wants to go anywhere near. Detroit, San Francisco, like downtown Manhattan, Brooklyn, Boston markets that people are like, oh, no, those markets are so expensive. You can't do it. People do it. Yep. And then they're not like just generational people that have just inherited properties that got handed down to them. People are buying real estate and making money with it in markets that you will not touch every day. So true, man. Everyone wants to know how to raise money. Everyone yep. wants them. So is it fair to say that having access to money is the most important thing in real estate? Or what would you say? No, uh, I think that business plan and market focus are more important than the money, right? Um, and that, and I didn't even say deals in there, right? Like yeah. a, a lot of times people, like, this is what I did my first year, right? It, it, I've made most of the, like the lessons I teach people about real estate are like things I did wrong. Like, like don't do that. When I first got going, I'm like, I'm going to go invest in real estate. So one day I'm looking at the strip center. The next day I'm looking at a six, single family home. The next day I'm looking at a fix and flip. The next day I'm looking at a piece of land to flip, right? Yeah. So all lots of fun, all different ways you can make lots of money in real estate, but they're all unrelated, right? So I think the most important thing, and yes, money's important, but the most important thing before that is market business plan focus. Once you got that, like, okay, I'm going to buy single family homes or small, small residential assets in Trenton, New Jersey. Once I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to buy and fix and flip them. I'm going to buy and hold them. That's what I'm going to do. Then private money comes into that. And that's something you can scale, right? If you're going to try one business, one asset class on Tuesday and a different on Wednesday, you can't scale, it's hard. You can't scale that. You can dabble. Yeah. And there's a lot of dabblers yeah. out there, but you can't scale. So and not private, that, but private money, once you have that, private money becomes the essential piece that gets you to, that can you can yeah. 10x with private money. Yeah, because private money don't want to drop money into someone that's scattered, yeah. <laughs> you know? So Trust me, I know firsthand because I tried to get private money to invest with me for when I was scattered. And they're like, yeah, you'd let me know how that goes. And then once we started to focus, it's like the private money, you know, first, first private money check that me and Liz ever put together was 50K, right? It was not millions of dollars. You don't have to raise millions to raise private money. It was 50K from somebody she went to college with. That's it. And then it was 75K, the next check. Then it was 300K. Then it was 500K. Then it was a million, right? That. Notice that wasn't like the first, second, third, fourth deal was not a million, right? Yeah. yeah. So once we qualified that we, we could raise that kind of money and we could operate with that kind of money, then we scaled up. Okay. So Matt, let me ask you, um, this, is, this is the chicken or the egg question, right? Yeah. So raising private money, 
Should you have a deal, then raise the money or raise the money, then go and find a deal? You got to raise the money, then find the deal because the market's not going to wait for you. I said this like pre-interest rates going up, pre-things getting a little more weird, even pre-COVID, but I think it still holds true that sellers are not going to wait for you to assemble the money. You better have it together, have it on the shelf. And so what I did, this is what I would do is I had money show up and say, hey, I, or I would go to money. But back now we have money show up. But back then we would go find, we'd have to go find the money and say, hey, if I produce this, this box, this piece of real estate that produces this kind of return, this kind of risk factors, this kind of cash on cash, would you be, would you like that? Yeah, I'd love that. That sounds great. And I've got 75K to put to work and I'll sit on it for the next 30 days until you find something. Okay, I got my marching orders now. I yeah. go find something that meets that box and I can put their 75K to work in the deal, whether it's, it's as a loan or whether or not it's as equity. And I've done both, meaning like I'll borrow the money from you at 9% or I will have you come in and be my 50-50 equity partner. One of the two. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, what do you prefer? Is it the equity position or just the loan? I'd, if I could get people to loan me money all day long, Marcus, I'd prefer to take that because, yeah. um, but you can't, I mean, there's a risk factor for me associated with that, right? They don't want to loan you money at two, three, 4%. They want to loan you money at, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, something or somewhere right. in there. Right. Uh, and so when I did do a lot of fix and flips and a lot of small ties, smaller burr strategy deals, which that's mainly all we did back in the day was burr and flip. Yeah. I'd love to have a private loan over, over equity because then I get all the upside. Right. Um, right. Yeah. But when you end up on deals where you're not adding crazy, crazy, tremendous value, where you're only doing incremental tweaks to increase value incrementally and you're still making cash flow uh, along the road, you're likely not going to get that debt out. Meaning, like, let's say, Marcus, you loan me 100 grand at 9%. If I can't double the property value or whatever it is to refinance it, to make you go away completely, I'm at a heavy risk taking on, taking debt from you. I'd rather take equity at that point. If I can't guaranteed burr strategy, make you go away. It makes more sense for me to just have you as an equity partner long-term. Partner. Yeah. It depends on the short answer to that question, Marcus, depends on the deal. <laughs> depends on the deal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk about, so you wrote a book on raising private capital. I did. It's called and Raising Private Capital. Raising <laughs> private capital. <laughs> so yeah, give us some, so I know you talked, briefly you talked about four personality types in order to raise money. Yeah. All right. Well, so you yeah, to kind of no, no, I, there's four personality types, I, the personality types, I think to operate real estate, right? I'm the money guy. I'm the one that puts together the debt, the deal, the equity. I'm, I'm calling me like the architect, the assembler, right? Okay. And then you've got three other personality types that it takes to be successful in real estate. And the reason why this came up was people were like, hey, Matt, I read your book. I love your book. But I don't, like, I'm not comfortable out pitching people to invest with me. I'm not comfortable talking to people about putting money into my deals. But I love keeping contractors on timeline. I love managing things that exist. I love projects and I like solving problems, right? I'm a fixer. So, okay, you're more, that person's more of a, once the money has closed on the deal, then you got to parachute in somebody else. Cause I'll tell you guys, I used to do that. And I was like, 
I don't know if you guys are like this, but I'm the landlord that was like, oh, tenant, your tire broke on your car or you lost your job. That's okay, tenant, pay your rent next month. This is when I was collecting rent. My collect- yeah. I was the worst collector ever because I had the biggest heart, you know, and I'd listen to them, right? Yeah. yeah. Until I hired people that were not nice. And then they then they weren't nice, but they, they couldn't raise a nickel from anybody, but they were able to keep my trains running on time, mm-hmm. right? It's a different right. personality type. So then there's that. Then there's the person that goes out and finds the deals. These are your people that are really great at like wholesaling, your deal makers, right? That are like always hustling, always looking for the next opportunity. They can look at an opportunity and say, you know what I do with that? I would turn that into an Airbnb or I would restructure this or restructure that or whatever. They're like the creative type deal maker and they present this thing that like, hey, I got an opportunity. This is what we ought to do, right? And then the money funds it. And then the ham, we call them the hammer. The hammer manages it, right? Yep. You got a third person, a fourth person, and that's the underwriter. That's, I used to do that myself because I have my background in engineering. But like the analyst, the person that lives in spreadsheets, not everybody does that. And a lot of people think that you have to know how to use Excel to be a good real estate investor. It helps, but it's not necessary, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the, that's the fourth person is the numbers person that, that's there to assemble the financial package and build a business plan. So anyway, guys, those are the four different personalities that we think are, it takes to be successful in real estate. And the money is one of them. The people put two people put the deal and the money up on a shelf and think that's all there is. Yeah. But there's really right. the analytical and right. the management side that really, that's where the money's really there on those two sides. So if I could recap, and when you yeah. said architect, you're meaning the money raiser. Is yes. that right? Okay. Yes. So yes. Architect, money raiser, and then um, the hammer, which I would assume is uh, like operations. Yeah. Like, like you could call it ops and multifamily. A lot of people call it asset management or property management. Yeah. Got it. And you got the deal maker, which is self-explanatory. And then the underwriter making sure it's a deal. We have cool names for all these things, right? So the deal maker, we call Uh, it the hunter, right? Yeah. Yeah, Got a cool looking logo with like a bow and arrow thing, right? So that's the hunter. (laughs) And then then there's the the underwriter, which they need a cool name too, because they're kind of like the nerd on the team. So we call that the brain. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Make them think that they're the brains of the operation. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then okay. ops, what do you call operations? Operations, the hammer. Hammer. Because most of the time, the ones kind of run around and smack people in the head with a hammer until they listen, until they do what they're supposed to. And when you just get going, the hammer might be the one that's actually with a hammer in their hand doing the work. Yeah. That's okay. You know. And then what was the capital raiser? What's called the money? money? Probably need a better name than that, but the money. The money, the money, the, money, okay. the brain, the hammer, and the hunter. Hey, I love it, okay. man. All right, yeah. Matt, so, so how did, oh, how I'm sorry. Did, okay. How did you transition, Matt, from doing a small fix and flips and everything like that to start going into larger, you know, commercial residential? I know yeah. that sounds crazy, commercial residential, but yeah, 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 yeah. that is though. And that that is what they call it. Cause like, oh, well, above four units is commercial or whatever. It does kind of look at it that way. You know what it is, Marcus? I felt like, and this is partly because I was the money guy trying to be a hammer, right? Okay. So fix and flips only worked. It's like walking up to a roulette wheel, guys. It's like, is Matt going to make money? I don't know. <laughs> right? You know, sometimes, oh, great. He made a lot of money or, oh, geez, he lost money or, oh, geez, we broke even. And that's because I didn't have a good hammer on my team to drive process, to, to make sure contractors showed up on time and sober every day. And to, you know, like just really to, to you know, create a sense of urgency, right? Right. 
The thing, the money is the money can kind of chase shiny nickels. And so once I found the fix and flip and got my team in place, I'm on to the next one, right? And by going on to the next one, that fix and flip that I had left to the contractor to maybe he shows up, maybe they don't. A lot of those deals would end up going either completely going south or going mediocre, right? Um, What I found was that what worked well was properties that I could find, lease up, and then, and then like, you know, build like, you know, kind of rinse and repeat and do it over and over and over again. Yeah. So that's what worked well. That's number one. Number two, the second thing that worked was remember the guy, the 50 K guy that went to college with my wife. Mm-hmm. That was 2011. That was on two little row homes in Trenton that we did a deal with him on. And he's, so this guy is a financial planner by trade. Okay. So he goes and tells his friends and also a few of his clients mm-hmm. out like, Okay, I'm working with this guy in Trenton. He's making me good money, making great returns. Da, 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 da. And before you know it, a few, like, you know, I had a little buzz of people. And he also, sorry, I was in Trenton. He lived in New York City. So he starts pulling all this okay. New York money down to Trenton. And I'm yeah. driving around with all these New Yorker, New Yorkers in their Gucci bags and their swanky suits and stuff like that, showing them scrappy Trenton. I'm running around in my Doc Martens and my blue jeans, showing right. them to New Jersey, right? Hey, come on, guys. It's good. It'll be fine, right? So, before you knew it, it just, that's what was starting to work. And the fix and flips are again, roulette wheel. And so the raising capital for rentals was working over and over and over again. So I'm like, okay, let's quadruple down on what works and let's forget what maybe works, maybe doesn't. Uh, and so that's how we ended up scaling into bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger deals. Okay. Wow. So on this, I love how you broke down your team, the money, the hammer, hunter, and brain. So now I brought you, or let's say, like, are these all on payroll or no. is it kind of like people that just source deals for you, raise money for you? Like, how is, how do they all work together at one point? They're my partners. And then I think that we decided to build, instead of focusing on doing deals, I decided I'm going to build a company. I'm going to build a brand. And then if you focus on a specific asset class and a specific acquisition strategy, it's easy to do. And I used to kind of hustle my way through like, okay, let's find a deal. It's fine. Who's going to help me with that? I'll partner up with that person. Try this, try that. It's kind of like a beginner way to get into real estate. But once you kind of find your team that you want to do stuff over and over with, it makes sense to just have long-term equity with people. And so my hammer, my asset manager, Justin, he has, you know, he has, he is a partner, my hunter, who really, they feed the top of the funnel. Uh, The hunter really feeds the machine they're also a partner as well. So there's three, there's three partners in our company and the underwriter is the one that's very easy to outsource. And that one works for the, my, my hunter partner. He has an underwriter that works underneath his umbrella. The underwriter gets some equity and they get like a, a, a big fat bonus when we close deals, but they are underneath our, our umbrella and, and they're, they're not a partner on the team. They're, they're a you know team member. Got it. And, and Liz runs it all. <laughs> Yeah, she's the, she's the architect. No, Liz is like a board member. I mean, Liz keeps busy running her 20,000 women and 60 meetups she's got across the country and whatnot. She's Liz keeps herself busy enough doing all that. Um, so Liz is more like a board member. Um, and, and we do work together regularly as husband and wife, but her role now is more as like an advisor, an advisor to the board of, of DeRosa Group. Okay, so I'm pieced together because I came in late. So Liz is your wife. Yes. Who is also right. the Investor Network. Yes. Yes. Got it. Her and Andressa, who and I heard y'all interviewing tomorrow, uh, yeah. started Invest Her. They they this was just 
it was that's an evolution that, that I'll let Andressa tell the story of how Invest Her came to be. But it's a beautiful story, and it's it's a it is a needed initiative um, in that. But uh, but it, but they kind of like it was by happenstance. It was just started out as them just doing a podcast because it was fun. They wanted to talk about women, mm-hmm. um, and before you know it, it's like you know this enormous community. Um, and she, Liz used to be our investor relations manager. Like she, when investors would come in she would do the onboarding. She would handle getting them their K-1s or their tax returns or whatever it is. Um, but investor became bigger and bigger and our network of investors became bigger and bigger. So we kind of outgrew each other and just having my wife help me out anymore. So what, uh, there, was, there was more more work that needed to get done than she could do. And so we had to hire out her position. Love it. All right, cool, man. Okay. So Perfect. since you're a money, the money guy, so what are some tips for, you know, um, people getting into single family, small multifamily, mm-hmm. they're looking for their first 50 grand, their first hundred grand. What are some yeah. activities they can do to build their reputation or raise some money for their deals? Yeah. So first thing you want to do is you want to understand that money hides in plain sight, right? Those that look like they have money normally don't, right? Um, and so like it does it like the, the person with like the enormous house, and the fancy pants car might not be the person that's going to invest in your business. That person may be what I call broke at another level, you know, like they're just yeah. broke up here versus broke down here. Right. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So the, 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 the real money is probably somebody who lives lean, lives conservatively. So a few tips, right. If you got somebody in your network that has had a few job promotions um, but it's never increased their quality of living or some anybody that's lived in their house for more than seven or eight years has certainly built up some real estate equity they could tap. So secondly, yep. cool. anybody that's transferred jobs, right? Anybody that's, that's, had, that's had their job transfer in the last couple of years, right? Has a phenomenal uh, resource that they don't even, that they don't even know they can put in, they can put to work with you. And that's called a self-directed IRA, Right. And they don't even realize it. They, they just think that the retirement account they had at job A now is just something that they continue to, that they've earned and just sits there until they retire. Not true. Because they don't work for that company anymore, it's an IRA, not a 401k. And there's, yeah. a, there's a great tool they can I can unlock with it. They can roll that IRA over to, over to self-directed and that money can then go to work in your business. Um, and something like... Uh, Ninety-seven percent of IRAs in America are are in, are involved in anything else outside of Wall Street. Or I'm sorry, are are involved. Ninety-seven percent of IRAs are in Wall Street. Three percent are in something else. It's it's an enormous opportunity to untap. And so we all know people that have retirement accounts that could go somewhere else. So that's what I would do is to make your money. And I, in raising private capital, I recommend this to be your first step is to make your money list. Just sit down and pull up your cell phone. Start making your people that are fair or fairly, you know, financially savvy that aren't like living hand to mouth that maybe that, that maybe realize that there's something else out there for them, and start telling them about real estate investing and how this great, you know, uh, Azria organization that they're a part of. They heard Matt Faircloth and they heard this and they heard that. Educate them, mm-hmm. teach them about real estate investing, and before you know it, you'll have raving fans. I mean, you know, when my wife and I approached the guy she went to college with, when she approached him, he said, real estate investing, that's interesting. I sure wish I can, I could get involved in that too. I just don't have the time. And that's almost always the response. I wish I could do that too. I just don't have the time. And the response that you should have is, what if you don't have to have the time? 
what if you can, what if I got the time, you know, like, what if I could put the time you put the money and we can both benefit each other. Simple mm-hmm. as that. Yeah. yeah. We always say that. Uh, that two parts of every deal, knowledge and time, money and credit. Yeah, that's it. And you can, and they are equal. And a lot of times people put one above the other and, and I would never work with an investor that made their money more important than what I brought. It's yeah, got to yeah. be viewed as a mutual thing. You're not doing me a favor investing with my company. Right. You are not gracing me with your dollars. I'm giving you an opportunity. Yes, you're putting my dollars in my deal, but I'm giving you a phenomenal opportunity to make to make returns and to get exposed to something you can't get exposed to on Wall Street. I can give it to you. They can't. Love it. So true. So true. Yeah. All right, Mark. So I know I know you're the money guy, um, Matt. But what do you guys look for? What does the hunter specifically look for for the DeRosa Group? So is there a certain number of units? Yeah. Is there a certain location? What are you guys mm-hmm. looking for? So we do not invest anywhere in the continental United States. We used to be the company before I met my hunter man, my man Irve. His name's Irve Francois. A little plug for him. Before I met him, we thought a state was a market. <laughs> we'd be like we're investing in north carolina we're investing uh-huh. in pennsylvania and he was like man what are you kidding me like a state's like that that's not a, that, that's like you know 30 msas that's not one market you right. know like i can't call arizona a market you know well what right. are you at you're in phoenix you're in scottsdale you're here you're there right mm-hmm. um you know you're in a, there's a lot of markets and so what Irve taught us is to be super super specific and so with him working through us We've expanded out it out heavy in Lexington, Kentucky, not Louisville, not Richmond, not Frank, not Frank, not any other parts of Kentucky, just Lexington. Um, and then Winston-Salem and Greensboro, the Piedmont Triad of North Carolina. That's where we are. Right. Not Fayetteville, not other parts, not that we don't like those markets, but because there's power of focus. So that's the first thing he looks for is things that are in the markets that we want to be in and not in the markets that we've not picked. So that we're not judging those other markets. But what I've seen firsthand through him teaching me is that the the power of focus, like an example, we've got one contractor that does almost all of our work in Kentucky because I've got a few, you know, a bunch of assets there. And so because as you scale up, you can start commanding more attention from everybody, property managers, contractors, everybody. And that, that flows over to our asset management side. And it's like, Hey, I got a voice now. I can wave my hand in the air and they actually listen, the property manager, because right. I own enough in their market. I'm a big enough customer. I'm, I become a big enough fish that it makes that, you know, and it's only by focus that we've allowed to do that. That's what enables to do that. Secondly, Marcus is value add, meaning like, you know, it, it, the, the current owner is charging this much in rent and we can expand it to this much in rent by increasing rents or by doing renovations and um, making the property worth more by doing, by doing what's called a value add program. You know, uh, and, and so that's okay. the, that, that's a, that's a typical business plan that we look for is where I can take a property and clean it up, take it to the next level, clean up, clean, maybe get some of the crime out, clean up some of the issues the property has. Attention all female investors, as Rhea is excited to announce our good friends are coming to town. Don't miss out on the investor con event in Scottsdale, Arizona on May 18th and 19th. Join us for two days of networking, workshops, and keynote speeches from successful female investors. Attend InvestorCon and make valuable connections and gain the confidence you need to take your investing to the next level. Don't wait. Click on the link in the show notes and get more details and the best pricing for InvestorCon in Scottsdale, Arizona 
on May 18th and 19th, or visit asria.org backslash calendar to secure your spot. We can't wait to see you there. Amazing, man. Wow, Matt, that's, that's very important. You know, that power of focus is that's, that's definitely key because there's a lot of real estate investors and, I, and I've been guilty of it. And Me I'm too. I'm sure we all have to where it's like, you know, wow, you know what? I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do all of these different things. And then you just become scatterbrained and you don't get anything done. Well, we all like, we all love good deals, right? So I think most real estate investors suffer from shiny nickel syndrome, right? It's like, yeah. oh, New Orleans, you know, I want to invest in New Orleans. Oh, wait, 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 not New Orleans. How about Memphis? Are you here? And you would, it was the worst. You hear somebody else talking about a market and you're like, man, I'm gonna look at that market too, you know? Um, yeah. Because <laughs> there's a lot of good markets out there. And it's not that your market's yeah. any better than theirs is. It's just that you, if you focus, it opens up a lot of opportunities to, to leverage, you know, cost sharing and to leverage relationships and to leverage all kinds of different stuff. So that's why you want to focus, not because you chose the best market ever that's ever created the entire universe. It's just that, you know, it, it, the more you invest in that market, the better off you're going to do. So true. true. So true. So Matt, wrapping up here, man, how can we get in contact with you? How can we find you? I know you and Liz are going to be here in May, but yep. even if someone one of our members wants to reach out to you before. Sure. How can we find yeah. you? We got it. We're not hard to find. DeRosaGroup.com, D-E-R-O-S-A group.com. Uh, just go to our website and you can learn more stuff about the four quadrants you and I talked about. Um, we do property tours. Like we call them retreats where people come and hang out at our apartment buildings with us for a couple of days. You can meet the site staff, tour units, tour, you know, look at stuff before and after. Um, there's nothing like learning the way you learn how to buy an apartment building, we think is by going and actually looking at an apartment building, you know, go putting boots on the ground. And so we, pro we provide that. And for those that want to invest passively, uh, the biggest thing, if you're a fix and flipper, or if you're a wholesaler making lots of money doing wholesales and fix and flips, hopefully, um, better than I was able to do, you know, um, <laughs> then, uh, you have a great opportunity to wash out a lot of the money you make on those fix and flips and wholesales by investing passively in multifamily and enjoying the tax losses that multifamily can show on paper to pull down your pull down the income you're making through your active business. And you okay. can learn all that through at, at DeRosa Group. All right, guys. So you know exactly what to do. You want to reach out to Matt, go to derosagroup.com, get more information. Matt, it was definitely a pleasure to spend time with you on today. I know we just scratched the surface so much more, yeah. but I love the four quadrants. I love how you talk about your transition. I love the power of focus with so much there, guys. So listen to this episode over again. Uh, because I don't want you guys to gloss over anything because there was there's definitely a lot of fruit in this episode here. So Matt, thank yeah. you so much for being here with us. Honored to be here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. All right, guys. Absolutely. That's another episode complete. Thank you again, Mike, for being here with us, Matt, for being with us. And you guys know exactly what to do. Thanks for listening to the Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.